Over the last several weeks, we've looked at a couple of sermons dealing with uh, the issue of Christmas. That time is upon us, five days away, praise the Lord. And uh, we looked at the, uh, the mystery of Christmas a couple of weeks ago. And last week, we looked at the message, message of Christmas. And today, I want to unpack the miracle, the miracle of Christmas. The miracle of Christmas uh, is interesting, because where do you start? What is the miracle of Christmas? Because the whole thing's pretty darn miraculous. So if you have your Bible, if you'll take it and turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 2. The book of Luke, chapter 2, and the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. The book of Luke, chapter 2, the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. In Luke 2, we'll start reading, if you will. And uh, we'll pick up in verse 10. Um, you know the story. It's one of my favorite stories of the Christmas birth. The angels had just went in the middle of the dark night and proclaimed glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Unto you is born the Messiah. And uh, I want to pick up right here in verse 15. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and a baby lying in the feeding trough. And seeing this, they went back and reported all the message that they had seen and were told about this child. All who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured these things, kept them in her heart, meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. Now flip over, if you will, to Ephesians. Chapter 2. Ephesians 2, we'll pick up and we're going to start reading in verse 11. If you have your Bible, get your pen ready because I want you to mark some stuff or figure out how to highlight on your smart Alec device. And uh, there's some things you don't want to miss. So then remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh. You were called according to the uncircumcised by those of the circumcised, done in the flesh. At that time, you were without the Messiah. Would you underline that in your Bible? You were without the Messiah. You were excluded. Well, that's harsh. From the citizenship of Israel, you were foreigners, strangers to the covenant of the promise, with no hope. Underline that in your Bible. With no hope, you are without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you were, who were far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. You had no hope, but now you do. 
right there if you wanted where that conjunction is in that sentence. You could circle that conjunction. Draw an arrow out to the side of your Bible and write there, Merry Christmas. Because when you look at that, we were excluded, but Christmas came a-calling. We had no hope. Now, as we go forward and we read this some more, for He is our peace. Underline that in your Bible. Who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in His flesh. He did away with the law, the commandments, the regulations, so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. When Christ came, he proclaimed the good news of the peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer a foreign. You are no longer a stranger. But you're a fellow citizen with the saints. The members of God's household. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus. Himself is a cornerstone. The whole building is fitted together in him and is growing into a holy sanctuary in the Lord in whom you also, circle that, you also are being built together for God's dwelling. In the Spirit. The miracle of Christmas. There's a lot of talk about Christmas miracles. Some of you may embody a Christmas miracle. You may have experienced a miracle at Christmas time. You may be waiting on a Christmas miracle. It's this wonderful time of the year where there's Christmas shows on television. I drive my wife crazy at Christmas time because she loves Christmas shows. I'm very prophetic. I'm a Christmas prophet. And so it's like I can tell her the end of her Christmas show before she ever watches the Christmas show. So I'm her spoiler. And so it's like I'm, I'm, I'm 100%. I've not missed a prediction of a Christmas story. I mean, there may have been a few different things that were not quite like I predicted, but the outcome was the same. I'm 100%, baby. A Christmas miracle shows up at a Christmas tree farm at the end. But that's not the kind of Christmas miracle I'm talking about. What is the miracle of Christmas? I mean, after all, it was pretty miraculous that God moved a whole nation to Bethlehem for the birth of the son. It was pretty miraculous that God managed to get a whole nation 
a whole group of people of that lineage to that location for the birth of the son Jesus. You say, well, if he's that miraculous, then why didn't he manage, if he could get a whole nation to Bethlehem, you'd think he'd call ahead to get a room. Was that the miracle? Was the miracle of Christmas the fact that a whole nation showed up? Was the miracle of Christmas the fact that a virgin was conceived and gave birth? Yes. And yes. Was the miracle that angels showed up in the middle of the prairie night speaking to the shepherds and gave them direct coordinates to the male child? Yes. Was the miracle that the wise men showed up later? Yes, yes, yes. But that's not the real drilled down deep miracle. I call those surface miracles. But the real miracle of Christmas goes much deeper than that. You see, God started with a bunch of shepherds. The real miracle of Christmas is that he gave access to people who didn't have access. Do you realize that the very Son of God, the Messiah, the King, the one to whose kingdom there would be no end, do you realize that that King was born in a manger? Do you realize that the first ones to really come and see the baby was a bunch of shepherds? Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we dealt with shepherds quite a bit in the last sermon series. But as you remember from that, they were not the greatest occupation that a person wanted to grow up being. Shepherds were despised. Shepherds were not treated well. Shepherds were rejected by people who thought they were somebody. And in this story of the shepherds, isn't it amazing that God goes to the people and sends an angelic choir to go to the people that nobody else wanted to be around so much that they lived out on the prairie all by themselves and that God went to those people who were cut off from the city, was cut off from the people who had lived a life of separation by purpose. And he went to them and said, why don't you go see my new baby boy? Isn't it amazing that when the shepherds came into town, they didn't stop by the mayor's office? Isn't it amazing that they didn't stop of people of prominence or prestige? Isn't it amazing that when the shepherds showed up, they knew right where to go? Isn't it amazing that they didn't even have to clean up to get into the stable because the stable was already as dirty as you could be? I mean, they went in. And those shepherds who lived a life of separation, all of a sudden now was the first ones to have access back to a holy God. You see, the first miracle of Christmas is access. The first gift of Christmas is access. That he gave access to people who was inaccessible. God was inaccessible. Man could not get to God because of man's broken life, because of man's failures. They could not give to God, and God gave great access. I'm not making this up. I mean, read with me, if you will, in your Bible. 
It says in Ephesians 2. It says now in verse 11, don't forget that you were separated. In verse 12, at that time, at that time, you were without the Messiah. Excluded from the citizenship of Israel. Citizenship of Israel. Foreigners to the covenants and the promises with no hope. When we look at this verse right here, we clearly see that there was separation. We clearly see that there was no access. We clearly see that you were unable to get in. You were foreigners. You were of another citizenship. You did not have a right to access that body of people because you did not qualify. You did not qualify. This is kind of close to home right now with all the debate about immigrants, legal immigrants, illegal immigrants, refugees, all those things. It's, it's, it's kind of close to home to us because we look at all this and all the hype and uh, uh, stuff that's around that and all the, um, the controversy that's surrounding that. And we realize that that's where you and I were. That we were a refugee from the orphanage of hell running for our life. And we couldn't have access back to this glorious God. But Christmas came around. And it came around to give access to those who had no access. The Bible says here very clearly, it says that you were excluded. You were foreigners. But. I ask you to underline this and write Merry Christmas beside it. But now in Christ Jesus, but now in Christ Jesus, you who are far away have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. You have been brought near by the blood of the Messiah. You see, folks, Christmas was about giving access to a people who were broken. Were people who did not have access back to a holy God. When things started off talking about religion, you see, they understood religion. They understood the feast. They understood the Passover. They understood the sacrifice. They understood the sins offering, the trespass offering, the drink offering, the grain offerings. They understood all of that. They were keeping all of that. But every time they would check the box, and the box would be checked, they were still empty inside. You see, you good works won't bring about peace to inner turmoil. Good works might give you access to the governor. Good works might get you access to the White House. But good works cannot get you access in to heaven except through Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2.8, just a few verses before that, it says, For by grace are you saved, not of yourself. It's a free gift. Of God. Lest nobody can run around bragging about it. That's my translation of that. So that you wouldn't fill up with pride. You wouldn't fill up with self. You see, God realized that religion may be a tool. Religion may help, but religion wasn't the answer. That the only thing that could bring peace was Jesus. 
but in Christ Jesus. Did you see that in your Bible? Did you underline that in your Bible? Did you highlight that on your smart device? But in Christ Jesus, but in Christ Jesus came the access that he might give access to a broken people back to an unbroken God. You see, my friends, when you look at this and you go to verse, you just walk through this, you go to verse 18, for through him we have both access. I'm not really making this up. I mean, it's right there. But through him we have access by one spirit to the Father so that you are no longer foreigners. So that you are no longer foreigners, but you are children of God. And what God is speaking to our heart right here is that he looked at us who was unaccessible and he said, I want to give you access. We could not get to God because of the wall of separation. And I'm telling you that Christmas was about the beginning of the appeals process to remove the wall of separation. It was the beginning. The place where it all began. Have you taken advantage of having access back to a holy God? Not only was it the beginning of the appeals process and giving us access, but Christmas brought hope to hopelessness. I mean, look with me if you would at verse 12. I mean, when you think about this, it says, At that time you were without the Messiah, excluded from Israel. And go on down and it says, With no hope. With no hope. Everywhere we look now, there's, there's much attention. And it needs to be much attention. I'm not making light of it. Much attention to suicide prevention. Much attention to how to spot for warning signs. We live in a day and time where the slogan is, if you see something, say something. Because everything seems to be running out of control. And as we look at this, we, we're looking for people. And, and what are the symptoms? What are the things that are highlighting? What are the things that are are, are, are driving people crazy. And today, many people are living with no hope. There's a phenomenon that's sweeping our country. I read an article on it just this week again. It's not a new phenomenon, but it's becoming very popular, and it's called cutting. And it said people are so broken inside, they feel so hopeless. The pain is so great on the inside that they take knives and cut themselves on the outside so that their mind will move from the pain on the inside to the pain on the outside. But when the pain on the outside subsides, the pain on the outside didn't cure the pain on the inside, so they start to process all over again. You see, that's people that are living a lifestyle with no hope. And God looked down upon us and he said, my children have no hope. I do not want to have my children hopeless. I do not want them to live a life of hopelessness. Therefore, Merry Christmas. I'm sending my son Jesus on a mission of hope. On a mission of hope. On a mission of giving access to people who were cut off. To give access back to an unholy people, to a holy God, by the Holy One of Israel, Jesus Christ. 
See, Christmas was about gaining access. Christmas was about gaining hope for hopelessness. We live in the day and age of what we call dirty Santa parties. Pretty cool. Start passing gifts around and you keep trying to get somebody else's gifts who's better than yours. Here's a gift you don't want to leave hanging on the tree. To take your hopelessness and trade it for hopefulness. Have you done that? Or is this Christmas, are you overwhelmed with hopelessness? Which one? Christmas is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year, but it's kind of quickly becoming the most dreaded time of the year and has nothing to do with hustle and bustle and shopping. It highlights the void, the void of death. The void of, the, it highlights the death, it highlights divorce, it highlights brokenness, it highlights separation, it highlights a conflict of war, it highlights all these things that families are divided upon and and. It's quickly becoming one of the saddest times of the year. But that's not what it was intended to be upon because God looked down from heaven and he saw people with no access and said, I want them to have access back to me, a holy God. I want people who are hopeless to have hope. And that's not just hope and change. It's the real deal. It's not a campaign slogan. It's not a quick fix it's a substitutionary atonement of hopelessness for hopefulness then he brought peace in the midst of turmoil peace in the midst of conflict peace in the midst of all these things today there's a lot that we have but peace is not one of them Probably more than any time in my lifetime, there seems, in my lifetime, I don't know about yours, but in my lifetime, there's more uneasiness, there's more unawareness. I mean, it's just, it, people just don't know what to do, and we, we take for granted that when you leave, you're coming home, but yet that's not the case anymore. In a, a country that you used to once seem so safe in, now it seems like conflict is running around globally, and you never know where conflict will strike next. But I can tell you this, that while you're wondering where the next terror attack may come from, you may be wondering where the next conflict will break out. I want you to know that when you go to bed at night, many people go to bed in the middle of conflict, in the middle of turmoil, in the middle of anxiety, in the middle of the depression, and they're saying, oh God, please don't let tomorrow come. See, you didn't, Jesus knew that, understood that. And he said, I was born to bring peace in the midst of conflict. Quit worrying about world peace and let's get inner peace. Because if you can get some inner peace, it don't matter what's going on in the world. Because as the great songwriter wrote, you can live in a prison. But if Jesus will dwell with you there, it'll be a palace. 
you don't believe me this Christmas, read the story of the hiding place, living in lice-infected, rat-infested prison cells, kept saying, give God the glory. And in the midst of all of it, God just began to manifest himself. See, today, Christmas was about bringing peace to the midst of conflict. I mean, look at it in verse 14. I'm not making this up either, for he is our peace. Do you know why you, many people haven't found peace? Because they have looked in all the wrong places. A politician is not going to bring you peace. The next gimmick's not going to bring you peace. A new spouse won't bring you peace. Some of you think, well, if I could just get married, it'd be peaceful. Some of you think, if I could just get rid of this spouse, it'd be peaceful. Some of you think, if I could just get a new house, it'd be peaceful. If I could get a new job, this and that, and this and that. And you get all these things, and yet, in the next morning, you're still empty. You know why most people dread tomorrow? Because they are overwhelmed by inner conflict. And there's no inner peace. And you're looking for the answer to the inner turmoil. And Jesus is the answer. I mean, he is the only answer. Isn't it amazing that if Islam was so great, why is it that everybody who's living in uh, nations that are run by Sharia law and all of that, everybody, it's the most turbulent areas that there is. Violence is running rampant, craziness is abounding, and people are running for their lives from those countries. If it was so great, why is everybody running from it? Can I get a witness today? Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. Jesus understood that. Jesus understood that the same thing that's going on in the natural realm is going on in the inner realm with many people, and it broke his heart, and therefore he said, I am willing to go to bring access to the people who have no access, to bring peace to those who are in the midst of turmoil, to bring hope to those who are hopeless, I am the answer. And Jesus was born to die so that we might live. You know why you dread tomorrow? Because you're overwhelmed in conflict. We have a unique challenge with our three-year-old, like many people do. She seems to not need much sleep. People really think we're bad parents, but, I mean, she just won't go to bed. Like, you put her in the bed, she won't go to sleep. I mean, 11 o'clock, she's still going. This week, she disappeared on us. And she was in her bed. With no book, with no bedtime song, with no lay down with me for a while. She was in the bed by herself. And I asked Christy, I said, what in the world's going on? She said, oh, she has two parties tomorrow. And she knew that between her and those parties stood some sleep. So she embraced that which she didn't want to so that she might gain that which she desired. Now, you know, that's good preaching. You know why you dread tomorrow. Because between you and tomorrow, tomorrow, there's nothing worth hoping for. Tomorrow. 
presents you new challenges, new conflicts, new meetings, new struggles with your wife, new struggles with your child that's struggling with substance abuse or struggling with whatever it is or and you're trying to do it on your own. But in Christ alone is the answer. Not only did he bring about peace to the midst of conflict, but he brought home to orphans. The Bible ends this way in Ephesians 2 and 20. It says, we're no, if you go back to 19, we're no longer foreigners. No longer strangers, we're fellow citizens with the saints, and we're members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, the whole building is fitted together in him and is growing into a holy sanctuary in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. God desires to dwell in you. (laughs) With all there is in the world, in the universe, He desires. He desires you. He saw you as a foreigner. He saw you as an enemy. Loved you enough to die for you. Can I ask you a question in closing? This Christmas, do you have hope or hopelessness? Do you have peace or conflict? Do you have access or have you been inaccessible? Do you feel like you're an orphan or do you feel like you're a child of the king? One of the first songs I learned, the second verse said, From the door of an orphanage to the house of a king, no longer an outcast, but a new song I sing. From rags under riches, from the weak to the strong, I'm not worthy to be here, but because of Jesus, praise God, I belong.